presents the Mandalorian Review Podcast. This is Chapter 7, The Reckoning, and Chapter 8, Redemption. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, wow, we've uh, come to the end of the first season of The Mandalorian. Pretty crazy. I think wow is the uh, the best way to put it. Uh, holy crap is kind of, the, I think, the <laughs> phrase I used after I watched these two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, The Reckoning was great. Uh, the redemption was amazing. So if uh, it was ever a question if they were going to stick the landing, uh, they stuck it hard. Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm glad we're actually doing this. Is kind of uh, you know we we were we've been doing these back to back, and these uh, final two chapters really feel like uh, you know kind of one long episode when you put them back to back. One leads right into the next, as opposed to being like the the previous chapters of the series where each one is kind of its own individual story. This was definitely a part one and part two. Yeah, they played right off each other when they were starting to pull some pieces from the prior episodes and kind of starting to make it feel like one cohesive story. Uh, up to then, it was kind of like you were saying, it's one episode. So there was basically standalone episodes. These, yeah. two, these two here were obviously linked together uh, for for great reason. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Let's just get into it. What do you think? Yeah, what do you say? there's a lot to talk about here. So uh, we, we open up Chapter 7, The Reckoning, uh, with Mando and Baby Yoda kind of flying in their ship, uh, heading to a destination, not unlike any other episode. But um, this one's a little special because uh, the Mandalorian gets uh, an incoming transmission from Grief Karga, who we've not seen since, you know, earlier in the season when he actually survived their confrontation. Um, and uh, he gives him kind of an interesting message, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, Mando, I think, is surprised to see him alive, for one. Right. Because he thought when he left him, he was gone. He didn't realize he hit him in any of the best car that he had, actually, you know, in his jacket. Uh, but basically, he says, you know, I've got a way to clear your name with the guild and help take care of a problem that I now have. Yeah. And you can see the immediate... I mean, we don't see his face in this, but you can see the... He's thinking uh, about it. <laughs> yeah, immediately. He's like, okay, how can I stop being on the run, clear my name here, and, you know, kind of get things back 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 good again? How can I, you know, settle back down in a way? Now, he certainly doesn't uh, trust grief, you know, even as he, you know, he, he gives this uh, message of an olive branch, like, hey, come back, bring the kid, all is forgiven. You know, take care. Apparently, the client has kind of taken over things back down in uh, Navarro, and kind of been making things uh, very difficult for Grief and the uh, the rest of the Bounty Hunter Guild. Guild. Um, so yeah, I mean, Mando, he, he's weighing his options here. It could go either way, fifty fifty. Uh, but instead of going back by himself, he does uh, go and return to a few of his previous friends and allies that he's met along the way of season one to to see if they want to come with. Yeah, you can see it immediately, like, okay, I'm going to do this, but it, it's, I don't think it's very smart, so I'm going to bring some backup with me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, who's the most, you know, badass backup that we have right now in this story? I mean, really, and it's it's Cara Dune. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, throughout the series, even when we first seen her in that one episode, I thought she was pretty cool. Outside of Mando, she has actually become my favorite character outside of Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's, <laughs> Baby Yoda's right. excluded. He's yeah. actually, I mean, he stole the story. It's, it can't be called the Baby Yoda show. It's the Mandalorian. Yeah, but, people uh, that don't even watch this show are aware of Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, even if they don't like Star Wars, they know who this per- this little character is. Yeah. But uh, just just her her aura, how she just kind of sits there. She has this, this mentality, like she wants nothing to do with it. And then she finds out what this job is. When you know, As soon as uh, she said, well, he, basically Mando is asking her to come along to help do this one last mission, earn some money. Because when she first comes into her, finds her again, she's fighting this dude from Dathomir with some right. kind of like, like a lightning bolt kind of restraint on. So she's basically UFC fighting tethered to each other, just right. to make some extra bucks. Yeah, no holds barred uh, bar fight uh, it, with people cheering on and taking bets. Uh, it was a pretty awesome scene, actually. I mean, that the action was done really well, of course. I mean, she knows what the heck she's doing. And you get any other professional stunt, stunt guy in there, you're going to get something good, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was pretty impressive with the the tether that was lit up uh, with energy. And uh, she takes this guy down, and, and Mando kind of walks up. And, you know, he's you could tell that she's still in need of money if she's doing stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, she was. I first said no. She was like, "I don't want to take down a warlord. That's not what I want to do. That's not what right. I'm doing." 
And then basically he says the magic words. He's ex-imperial. And yeah. then she didn't even hesitate. As soon as she heard that, she was like, I'm in. Yeah, she gave I mean, half a what, second thought. Yeah, that was her job. Right. I mean, she was a drop cop, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and just taking out, you know, ex-imperials along the way before, you know, things go bad for her or something. That, that's something I want to know more about in later seasons. What What happened? Right. What made her go from, you know, this shock trooper for the rebellion and even she said ever since then something she's got a history now that if she actually gets chartered on a flight she's going away yeah so she's hesitant for those reasons by itself but as soon as she finds the ex-imperial she's game yeah so next up mando he uh, heads back to uh, whatever planet uh the ugnaught happens to be on that's where he uh, originally found baby yoda i'm not quite sure we ever got a name there but uh yeah he lands and and he asks kawil for help he he knows he'll be pretty invaluable as a uh, protector and watcher of of baby yoda while they get their hands dirty down there in navarro yeah but once again we've got another same answer he wasn't interested yeah he he's uh he said he basically went said over and over and over again how he has fought for his freedom and uh, he doesn't want to even work with somebody. And I, I think even working with somebody, he feels like he's being almost like enslaved to them, which yeah. I guess over his period of time, he just, he's done with since he's uh, he's won his freedom through his hands and his craft work. Right. Yeah, and we learn a little uh, history, I guess, over the last uh, you know few weeks. We don't really get a, a definitive timeline of uh, the time that it takes to that span across all eight of these chapters here. But uh, I guess we can assume that it's been at least a, a few weeks since they've last seen each other uh, because Kuil has had the time to actually uh, recoup IG-11. Uh, he was down in that town, you know, had Mando's uh, blaster bolt in his head. Uh, but Kuil, you know, he's like, you know, per New Republic rules, uh, finders keepers. <laughs> and he picks yeah, him up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Takes him back to the house and uh, fixes him up, reprograms him. And that, I mean, that right there, I didn't know he had that much of a technical insight. I knew he was able to, like, you know, repair things and down that line, but I didn't realize he can rewire uh, and basically start over um, yeah. with, say, an IG unit, which changing an IG unit from a murder destroyed to a nanny is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, and we're going to see over the next, uh, you know, this chapter and the next how how much IG-11 has changed. And, um, you know, Quill even says, you know, droids aren't bad or good. They're just imprinted upon by whoever programs them. And it's, it's funny know, thing, it's, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. it's a, I mean, it's people who are bad or good, right? <laughs> the droids <laughs> yeah. are just droids. Um, so, you know, the fact that Quill himself kind of teaches this uh, droid IG-11 to exist once again, I mean, even from walking, um, it's almost as though he kind of fast-forwarded through raising this droid up to being a complete being once again and uh, imprinted himself upon it. And uh, I think, you know, Mando notices that at first. Even though there's hesitation there, you know, Quill even says, you know, okay, you don't trust droids, but do you trust me? And Mando says yes. So, you know, they, they agree to bring IG-11 along for the ride as well. Well, I think it was a uh, take me and him or take nothing. And yeah. you knew he trusts Quill. Quill. But, uh I think even to that point, there was still a huge distrust of oh, sure. IG-11. He yeah. wanted nothing to do with him. He didn't want to, he didn't want Baby Yoda left with him. Uh, he basically didn't want. He wasn't going to turn his back to him. There was nothing. I mean, when he first walked in and offered him tea, both him and Cara Dune both stood up and drew their weapon. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it took a long time for them to put their guns down. Yeah, and yeah, that's when they got into the whole montage of you know showing how he was rebuilt, learned how to walk, pick things up, you know, feed the blurgs. Um, what yeah, speaking of which, I thought it was a little weird. As far as what, uh, kind of learning everything from scratch? Yeah, or like teaching a a droid how to like walk and everything again. I figured like when you you build a droid, it's programmed into their you know. Their... I would think so too, unless I mean, unless Kuil really did start from scratch. Like you know, maybe he programmed this thing from from even the the most rudimentary. Um, uh, abilities. I think, you know, if you think too f- much about it, you're probably right, but I think we're just um, meant to kind of feel like this is a brand new IG-11 and this character really is not going to, you know, become Hunter all of a sudden and, and he really is reprogrammed to protect. Um, and I think you get a feel for that. If, if you see the Quill really started from the ground up with this IG-11 unit, um, then you're kind of more willing to believe that that's the case. Yeah, I think that was important that they showed us that because it gave us the comfort level that is kind of needed for 
uh, him to be left with you know, Baby Yoda, which, I mean, we'll find out down the road if that ever really happens. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he's left with, you know, with Quill, who is basically his nanny with a nanny assistant, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And Quill, um, you know, he's not going to go unless he brings his blurgs with him as well. So <laughs> uh, his ship uh, gets pretty crowded pretty quick. Yeah, I didn't think that ship was that big. We had three <laughs> blurgs either. in it. I mean, holy smokes. Yeah, so the Razor Crest has its uh, brand new, freshly built crew, and they're uh, heading uh, back to Navarro. Uh, you know, spending their time getting to know each other and arm wrestling, apparently. Uh, Kara and Mando were uh, kind of really going at it just as a couple of warriors would, right? Well, yeah, uh, it's seeing, kind of an ego thing here. Who's the big yeah. badass on this ship? <laughs> Test of strength, but uh, Baby Yoda wasn't a fan. He thought that uh, Kara was really kind of uh, hurting Mando, and uh, he got that mean, angry gremlin face on pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> he started doing that force choke, which is awesome. Because yeah. I mean, well, the only way we've seen that was you know Darth Vader kind of just Vader, yeah. knocking out his uh, his leaders who were you know making him happy. Now we're seeing little Baby Yoda do this kind of in uh, in defense of right. Mando. He's really latched on to his Mando. It's kind of like he's looking at him as almost like a father figure now, which is a uh, just pretty cool. Yeah, it is, and uh, it kind of lets it kind of lets the audience know that you know even though this kid has really only shown light side uses of the force so far, whether it be like levitation or, or force heal. Um, I mean, he still has the potential of dark side too. I mean, he's still a, a youngling, right? So it could go either way. So, so they break up the fight, right? Uh, and and Kuil is immediately aware. He said he's seen things like this before, and he starts to talk about uh, the Force and the Jedi. And he talks about them like they used to talk about them back in A New Hope, like you know they're, they're used by sorcerers. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of you, you know we're as Star Wars fans, we're so um, sort of uh, surrounded and engulfed by by Jedi lore constantly, uh, Jedi Sith and the Force. That we forget sometimes that there are pockets of this galaxy where the Jedi and the, the Sith are just like these old myths and they think they don't even exist. I mean, Han Solo in the first movie, he was like, you know, you know this is all a bunch of nonsense, right? You kind of forget about that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's so few of them. So, I mean, everyone, uh, Darth Vader, for instance, and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> don't uh, try Obi-Wan. to find this with your sorcerer's ways, Lord yeah, Vader. Yeah, these are all just... Uh, stories to a lot of people that like the outer rim and everything right and people don't really know what's really going on yeah so it was a uh, it was interesting to finally see you know the force kind of brought up by a character that we um have you know as as an audience have a lot of respect for i i Quill, you know, spoiler alert, but, uh, you know, if you haven't watched these, I'm assuming you guys have watched this, but he doesn't make it through the end of this chapter, and I was really sad to see him go. Oh, yeah, no, I was hoping that he was just, like, knocked off the, uh, you know, his his blurg and was hurt, and he, I was hoping he didn't die, because there was smoke behind him, right. but I was hoping, you know, those that, please, not him. Um, so, eventually, they make it to Navarro, Grief Karga kind of, you know, he, he meets them where they land. Uh, Grief, of course, has some uh, members of the uh, Bounty Guild with him, sort of as enforcement and protection, uh, because, you know, things didn't end well the last time he saw Mando in person. Um, but, uh, yeah, they kind of begrudgingly kind of join up, and um, IG-11 stays on the ship, and we've got Kara and Mando with uh, Baby Yoda actually in tow to meet with Grief. Uh, it's funny that Grief Karga kind of has his own um, all shucks, wow, how adorable Baby Yoda moment when he sees the, <laughs> the quarry for the first time. I guess he didn't even know that this was the whole uh, thing that kind of put these um, you know these events into motion was the the capture of, of this you know a species, this little guy, and uh, he was he was like, oh well. It's yeah, everyone all this madness is like, for this little thing, huh? Yeah, everyone kind of thinks, oh, is he going to be a snack, or is he going to be, <laughs> a, you know, a, a little like thing you'd put in a hamster cage? Well, what is this? Yeah, so I mean, they they kind of make the move. They make their way to town ever so slowly, um, and of course, there's a lot of kind of mistrust here. You don't know what's going to happen. There's there's no trust for grief, and they they kind of take a pause. They they light a fire uh, in the night to to kind of you know set up camp. And um, as they do, they get attacked by, I don't know if we, ha- these flying creatures, I don't know if we actually got a name for them, but uh, they were pretty, I don't, it kind of reminded me of Pitch Dark or like an old sci-fi movie where monsters, you know, kind of came at you in the dark, but uh, uh, Grief ends up getting injured. Yeah, I mean, not just that, but they took two of the Blurgs. I think yeah. uh, one of the three ba- bounty hunters from the right. guild were, uh, were taken as well. So they took some losses, and uh, 
Yo, so one blurg left, and then uh, Grief, yeah, he got hit with something, like, on you know, his claws, or these things actually have some type of, like, venom or poison uh, that's in them, so, like, it comes from their claws or whatever it is, and he was, yeah. uh, he was taken down pretty hard. Yeah, and we finally see Baby Yoda do this four-seal ability that he was trying to do on Mando a few episodes back, and uh, they were really laying the groundwork for this uh, for this force power, especially a few days before uh, the Rise of Skywalker comes out, where <laughs> where Rey is just using this power left and right. <laughs> yeah, she used it a few times, and uh, yeah. But so if you didn't see this, and then you went and seen the uh, Rise of Skywalker, you would have had no idea that this existed prior to the movie. Uh, this probably should have been out there about a week or two before the movie, in hindsight, <laughs> to go ahead and give it a little bit more time to breathe. Uh, but they were uh, kind of running out of time when it comes to that. But what do you think of the Force healing? Is that something you're, you're good with, uh, uh, or is it just too much for you? I'm good with it as long as it has the kind of impact that it does on Baby Yoda. Because when Baby Yoda uses it, like he's spent for a while. He can't just go using this all the time willy-nilly. Um, I, I, and honestly, I, I, you know, I feel like it's been something that's been around. I feel like Obi-Wan used this power on Luke when he was attacked by the Tusken Raiders. Um, you don't really see as much. You kind of see Obi-Wan put a hand on Luke's head. Um, but I think it can be inferred that this is a force power that's been in use before. Um, I, I just think, you, you know, it, it should be a power that, that uses a lot of energy to do. I think only powerful Jedi should be able to use it. And when they do, I, I think it should really kind of take it out of them. Yeah, no, so I agree with that. I like it. It's not too much for me. It's it's, kind of, it's it's within the bounds of what I think of the force. The force has the ability to to heal, yeah. or to or to kill. You know what I mean? Yeah, life use, creates it. Makes yeah. it grow. If you can use force lightning, and in essence, you're killing something. This is kind of the the balance of that. Right. This this kind of gives the ability to heal. But yeah, I like the the idea and the fact that when he does do it, it's basically he's done. Yeah, I mean, he—you he, see him basically is fall right in his butt, and he's kind of sitting like, <laughs> just kind of uh, tip over like R two did in the New Hope. Yeah, now I need some. Now I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this moment is the the one that kind of uh, changes Grief Karga's um, intentions going forward. I mean, we learn uh, the next morning as as these guys head back out again. They're they're moving into town. They take a pause, look over the town, kind of on a uh, an overlook on a cliff. And uh, all of a sudden, Grief Karga, he, he whips around both blasters in hand and takes out the remaining two bounty hunters um, that were just about to shoot at Mando and Kara. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was... When he turned around and shot, there was no doubt in my mind that he was shooting the guys behind him. Yeah. I did not foresee... No, I probably should have, that he had the plan to double-cross them the whole time. Right. But it, it never played in my mind until after he confessed that that's what was going to happen. Yeah, he was like, hey guys, full disclosure, this was the plan to just take you guys out. But after what I, I saw what Baby Yoda did, it's just, I couldn't go through with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that Honor Amongst Thieves type setup? Yeah. But I mean, even Carr was like, you know what, let's just off him. Let's, screw this, let's go. I don't care anymore. Let's just, let's just leave. Yeah. Take Baby Yoda, knock him off, and go. And, uh... But, I mean, Mando was kind of like, you know what, it, this isn't going to stop. Oh, yeah. He's just uh, going to be, if he does that, he's going to be right where he left off at the beginning of the episode, just traveling from planet to planet to planet, just running the entire time. And that's no yeah. life for a kid. So, I mean, essentially, he thought, you know, he was already dead. Grief Cargo was already yeah. dead. So, yeah, he would already be right back to where he was in the beginning uh, before he received that the hollow message. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's already made his mind up that he's going through it. So now he's just starting to think, okay, how can we now go about getting in there a whole other way? Yeah, and let's let's take out the client, right? Like, we're here. Um, let's come up with a plan to actually take this guy out so he's not going to be chased going forward. Yeah, and they come up with a whole idea that, you know, now Grief is going to bring him in like he, they went ahead and they caught him. Right. So, you know, here is, here is the guy that double-crossed us. Here he is. Let's go ahead and go then. And I, I mean, they're thinking, you know, this is this can work. Then you have Kara with him as well, and she has the tattoo of the you know the shock troopers on her arm, which is not you know. Yeah, that's pretty very, impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone knows exactly who she is by that type of tattoo. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so I think the plan was that she brought him the grief. And then they were going to take him in. So that's why she was there with him. 
Yeah, totally kind believable. And they yeah. would have had Baby Yoda's little uh, hovering carriage in tow, right? Yeah. Now, and did you catch the the new carriage? Was actually, I think, his left thigh piece of his uh, of his armor. Oh no, I didn't. So he's got a a best car um, carriage. <laughs> he's got a best car carriage. If he's in that, it doesn't matter what he's shot with. He's fine. Because if you look at it when they're walking after they make the new like new eggshell thing, yeah, he's got a piece of old uh, armor on his thigh. Oh, that's funny. No, I missed that. That's good yeah. thinking, though. Yeah, because it, it's all like it's red and it's kind of rusty and it doesn't right. match everything else. Which which was uh which was pretty cool to see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they bring him in and they go to those first troopers. And they're like, <laughs> I've I, I seen stormtroopers, honestly. I do too, especially when they're just kind of, you know, they're not firing at you. They're just kind of standing around and, and you know. Being clumsy idiots, pretty much. Yeah. I was going to say shooting the shit, but <laughs> what's, another, what's a nicer way of saying shooting the shit? Um, well, I don't know. We'll just, just go, go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, grief the entire time. He's like, "Hey, relax." You know, the client. He's only surrounded by like four stormtroopers, so this should be easy pickings for when we get in this room. Uh, they walk into town, and this this place is just littered with stormtroopers. I mean, they're on every corner. <laughs> There's five of them. There's they're they're shopping in the shops. They're standing around <laughs> BSing, and uh, well, there's quite a bit more than four. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, well, your car called him out on immediately, so she's like, just four. <laughs> so they're okay. Then maybe there may be more. <laughs> then they finally get to you know the client, and he looks at her and says, "See, four. And they start talking, and he brings Manda to him. He said, "You know, how about we ha- sit down and have a drink to go ahead and uh, end this chapter between us?" And they start you know start talking, and you know, Kara sits down as well. Then all of a sudden, he gets a phone call. Yeah. Like, okay, I got to get up and take this phone call. And this is when we see uh, Moff Gideon for the first time. Who was yeah. actually played by uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, from Breaking Bad. Which, uh, I mean, honestly, Star Wars needs a big bad guy. And, and let me tell I, you, this guy is awesome. <laughs> I feel like he's a bad guy. He yes. looks like a bad guy. Why is it in Star Wars, it's the moths are the most terrifying people. Not that the ones with the powers. I mean, Darth Vader was terrifying. Right. But really, even he, you can almost feel like he feared uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, Tarkin just went ahead and blew up Alderaan without a second thought. He was like, uh, oh, Dantooine's a little too far. Let's just blow up Alderaan. We're here. <laughs> and yeah. you get the feeling that even Darth Vader was like, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, he was cold-blooded, dude. And these these moths are no joke. And uh, Giancarlo Esposito, I mean, anybody who's seen Breaking Bad knows the villain that he played in that. Um, the guy can play a villain like no other. Um, and you could just see his confidence. Like, you know, when stuff comes, starts going down, you see blaster bolts firing and lasers, laser bolts in the air. He's not running and covering. He is, like, he's so confident. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he just he's just, he's calculating and seeing what's the, the proper move move here yeah and, uh it's crazy yeah and then once he gets that call and he basically uh the client says you know the package is sleeping he's like yeah. you should check that and then next thing we know it blaster bolts all over the place yeah they basically just blows the place away he like he didn't care the client yeah the client was expendable he was just there to get everything back and you know clean up the mess that he originally made if i think if he didn't make this mess he would still be alive oh yeah but uh since he got him back and then somehow Gideon knew that baby baby Yoda wasn't there, so it's not, he's just gonna light up everybody in there. He didn't care if they were good, bad, or you know whatnot. He just is gonna kill them all. Yeah, maybe he assumed that's the play that he would have done. You know, if he were kind of had the uh, shoes on the opposite foot there, but um, that is what happened. So Mando kind of sent Kuwil back to the ship with baby Yoda. And, um, you know, during this time, they're trying to play this ruse as though they have Baby Yoda, but they don't. Uh, So Mando, you know, he gets on the comm link, and he's trying to get uh, Quill on the line there and, you know, trying to warn him, trying to see where he's at if he got back to the ship. And uh, this kind of tips off, I guess, the stormtroopers were intercepting that signal. And uh, a couple of uh, the scout troopers, they hop on these uh, speeder bikes and and go in that direction towards Quill. And we actually see them right up on Quill as Quill's on his blurg, you know, trying to go as fast as he can back to the uh, the Razor. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, through kind of action scenes and, and flashing back and forth between the settings, um, eventually we see, you know, the, the room that Mando and Cara Dune and Grief are all in. It's just getting lit up with blaster fire. 
And then we also see Quill uh, kind of down on the ground, his blurg dead, smoking from, from uh, you know, laser bolts. And, uh, yeah, we can assume that some bad things are happening here. You actually see Baby Yoda get uh, picked up by one of these speeder bikes, and, uh, you know, it looks like he's captured. Yeah, and that's pretty much how that episode ended right there. And it was kind of one of those, oh, now i got to wait, wait a week and a half. Yeah, talk Basically about what they did is they, they dropped that on us. Baby Yoda being swooped away. Yeah. Mando, Cardoon, and uh, Cargo basically all, you know, pinned down to the point where it's not looking good. So, right. I mean, forgiven, that's basically, that right there is a cliffhanger sometimes for an end of a season. That's not a two part episode. Yeah. So, everyone is talking about that. And I think people were, were loving that going into Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your overall thought of this uh, this episode by itself, standalone? Oh gosh. Well, at the end of chapter seven, I was just like, man, this is this may be the best episode yet. Yeah. Um, but um, just the introduction with Moff Gideon and he, his cool um, kind of custom Tie Fighter, uh, where, where the wings fold in on themselves as it lands, yeah, yeah. that was super cool. Um, just his whole look and his, you know, apparently he, he comes from uh, a portion of the Empire or, or that's still somewhat intact because even all of his stormtroopers that he brought with him had pristine armor. They were clean. Um, now, those black death tro- uh, stormtroopers, were they death troopers? That's oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my first impressions. I thought they were Death Troopers. Oh, they certainly were, yeah. They just looked more imposing. Not only the black, but they just looked bigger, and, and they looked taller and, and stronger than, than yeah, your standard clumsy stormtrooper. Um, but, yeah, so I thought it was awesome. What did you think about the episode? It gave me everything I wanted, because I think we've talked about this in the past. We wanted more. Like, okay, yeah. it's Mando. Is this a lone wolf story? Uh, this actually gave Mando a crew. You know, other people that he'd be playing off, you know, with pretty much the episode, whether it's in a ship, if it's a mission, it's not something that we were just going to, you know, throw away this episode and we'll pick up something new next. Yeah. Uh, these are characters we learned about, we learned the like from prior episodes that we've interacted with. Now they've come back for these two episodes here, which, I mean, that, that's what I want. I, I want more than just Mando and Baby Yoda episode to episode. And that's what, that's what it gave me. Yeah, I started to feel. I mean, the especially by the end of the uh, the episode to where he uh, was kind of trapped on that uh, New Republic prison, and and even though all of those episodes were awesome individual episodes with great stories and they were done really well, it was getting to a point where I, I wanted to see more of the overall plot. You know, I didn't want this show to be a, a, a Gilligan's Island where at the end of the episode really is just you know nothing happens and you could just you know there's no kind of development and overall overarching plot um but yeah this was you're right this is exactly what i wanted and you know this ending leads right into the beginning of chapter eight redemption um they they you know they they check in on this room that's just been blasted up with blaster fire so Moff Gideon, you know, he, he starts kind of laying out that he's aware of who these three are that are trapped in the room. He, he's aware of Cara Dune and her history as a drop trooper. Apparently she's from Alderaan. That was uh, cool to know. I knew nothing about Alderaan. Yeah, you can imagine uh, the, all the folks from Alderaan that maybe happened to be off-planet when it blew up were, were pretty mad at the Empire. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the, the planet just popped. Yeah, um, but yeah, he uh, he mentions that Grief Cargo was kind of a disgraced governor, uh, which, you know, he knows the history, and we finally get a name. Uh, he names the Mandalorian as uh, Din Djarin, which was not a name that we knew of, of course, and, you know, once Mando heard this fact, um, that this guy knew who he was, he knew exactly who this moth was as well. Yeah, and once he said who he was, Carr was like, no, he's, he's dead. He was executed. Yeah. And he basically leads into... Um, you know, Mando's past. He's like, okay, this is why I know him. And the reason I know who this is is because he's the only one that knows my name. Right. And uh, basically he was there pretty much when the the purge happened on uh, Mandalore. Yeah, he was an ESB officer and apparently uh, one of the Imperial bigwigs during that whole process. Somebody that the Mandalorian was aware of. And uh, we actually, you know, Mando kind of starts to go into his past. He talks to Grief and Karga a little bit about... Um, his past, where he came from, how he joined up with the Mandalorians, and we see an extended version of the scene that we've seen a few times in previous episodes with him as a child and his uh, parents trying to keep him safe during this battle with uh, battle droids. Yeah, they put him in this like cellar type area, and then uh, pretty much right after they put him down, you hear you see a thud. 
Yeah. And I mean, you can pretty much assume that they were that was the end of his parents right there and then. And then they like a, you know, a battle droid basically opens up, you know, the cellar. And you're thinking, oh man, well we know it's not over because he's alive now. Right. But uh, there's been a lot of like fans kind of out there thinking, okay, who saves him? Do we? Because this is the time frame where we would see Anakin. This is where we'll see Obi Wan. Right. Uh, you know, they're the ones that are fighting these massive battle droids, which were awesome to see. And I'm actually really happy that we didn't tap into that part of Star Wars. We left that completely separate, and it was just the Mandalorians yeah. who saved him, and that's why he was picked up with them, and then became a foundling, which yes. we kind of we assumed for a while now, and that's why he the foundlings are so important to him. That's why he he donates so much of his his bounties towards the foundlings. Right. So we're we're learning why he has the heart for the foundlings. Yeah, and in hindsight, this makes total sense. I myself, I thought maybe we'd see um, you and McGregor's Obi Wan take this battle droid down, or some other Jedi. But uh, the Mandalorians coming in and and taking their shot and kind of clearing house of these battle droids and um, having this kid escape and um, you know one kind of random Mando in his uh, jetpack flying off with the boy to get him to safety. I, I got chills during this scene. I thought it was beautifully done. Oh yeah, I liked how it was done as well. I liked how it was done in the shadows. You really never got a really good glimpse of this Mandalorian. You seen who it was it was very obvious. It was kind of like more of a uh, a silhouette who was kind of reaching his hand out and you know helping him out and then taking him off. Basically, when he got a nod from another one of the Mandalorians, like you were saying, he kind of took off and you see him looking down at the ground, thinking, "Man, we're way way up here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not scared of heights. And then they take him to wherever they you know wherever they they take all these foundlings and they basically start. If I understand correctly, they started training him to kind of become a Mandalorian, which is which is not a birthright. They find out it is. It's more of a it's more of a religion. It's more of a uh, a way of life. Yeah, they're not a uh, they're not a race of people from a particular planet. It's a creed. You know, anyone can be a Mandalorian as as long as you're willing to make the sacrifice and and, and join them. Yeah. So basically, we know that since they take you know. Take him willingly. It wasn't like he was taken and he didn't yeah, he wasn't want to go. Kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't kidnapped. But they take him. They take all these foundlings and they take him back to where they they train, you know, to be to learn the ways. They basically they basically take him to school. Yeah. They say what what we would think as like basic training for the army is right. essentially what they do. They go. They probably learn you know the history of Mandalore, uh, the ups, the downs, the you know the battles and everything, and then they learn. Uh, how to use their armor. They learn all the different things. They learn how to you know use their uh, jetpacks and everything. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into what they have to learn to actually be able to carry on uh, what a Mandalorian actually is. Yeah, so all the while, um, Gideon, pretty much, he gives them until nightfall to, to come out and surrender. And they're setting up uh, what they call an E-Web, uh, I guess like a heavy blaster, heavy blaster cannon, um, which was kind of cool to see. It was... Uh, Something that, that was actually being set up in Empire Strikes Back during one scene on Hoth. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks like this this weapon can really kind of tear that room apart if they fired upon it. Well, he went ahead and referenced it. He said uh, he was talking to the Caradun about how this weapon has vaporized a lot of like, the people that tried to go ahead on her squad to yeah. you know, do other missions. Or how it was used on Mandalore to go ahead and take care of the Mandalorians. So uh, he's he man he's striking fear into these you know characters with basically without shooting the weapon at all. He's like, okay, I'm gonna give you time, think about it, or you're gonna be like your companions. Yeah, they they start to get desperate. They know there's really no other way out besides through that front window where everybody is. Um, Mando thinks about the sewers though. Um, you know all the kind of caverns underneath this town where the Mandalorians were hiding out. Uh, you know, we got to get to the sewer grate, and he, he, you know, using his predator vision and his helmet, he actually finds the spot uh, to go into, and uh, they immediately go that way, and Kara tries to blast the thing apart with her, her heavy gun. Uh, it just wasn't happening. Yeah, and Gideon hears it, and he's like, I can hear you guys freaking out in there, <laughs> yeah. uh, so you you understand how, how dangerous this situation is for you, so he's pretty much saying, just come out, and Kara's like, no, she knows exactly what will happen to her. She knows she's yeah. dead. In essence, all three of them are dead. There's, there's no living through that situation. They know if they do give up, they're dead. They're dead either way. Yeah. You actually see Grief Karga uh, starting to open up some bottles and taking some shots. To, <laughs> he's like, well, if we're going out, might as well, um, you know, 
Might as well be drunk so I don't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but meanwhile, as all this is going down, you know, these, these uh, scout troopers that had ridden out to um, um, Mando's ship to try to get Baby Yoda, so they, they, they got him, of course. We find that at the end of the last episode. They have Baby Yoda stowed away in this little, like, side satchel, one of these scout troopers, and they keep smacking Baby Yoda. <laughs> Once they start, they smack them. I was like, dude! Yeah, cool. <laughs> quit that. They actually, so they're waiting to hear word if they can head back into town with this thing. And it's so funny because you get a little behind the scenes of how the Empire works. Uh, you know, they're calling in with a comp link. Hey, is it safe to come back yet? And they're like, I don't know. I wouldn't, man. Moff Gideon's down here. He just shot one of his troopers. It's not looking good. Why don't you wait a few minutes? <laughs> so he like, took okay. out like, some of his guys and uh, now uh, no, uh, a leader as well. Just, just hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and you kind of get this behind the scenes, and these these scout troopers, they you know they're kind of bored. They're waiting there by their speeder bikes. They see this little uh, piece of refuse on the ground. They start firing at it with their pistols, and of course and they, don't they hit miss it. every shot. <laughs> what well, a great running joke throughout all of Star Wars. Exactly. Well, I mean, you even missed. I mean, you said you said he smacked you know, Baby Yoda basically, but he punched him too. Oh yeah, he, not he cool. He punched the top of the bag. I was like, come on. Then the other one's like, uh, we better make sure he's not dead, or I'm not coming back with you. <laughs> right. Go on your own, dude. <laughs> yeah, by this point, because of all that, we are ready to see these scout troopers have it. And uh, right as that was happening, uh, who comes up but IG-11 with his uh, you know, nanny bot programming, he's ready to protect Baby Yoda and take out these troopers. Yeah, the troopers basically immediately you know, pull their weapons, and they're like... They know what an IG-11 is. They oh, yeah. know he's basically a murder bot. And they're like, hold on. I've never seen a nanny IG-11. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> they start kind of you know wigging out on what's going on. And basically he says, give me Baby Yoda. And we're good. Just give uh, him to yeah. me. I'll, I'll walk away. No big deal. And I guess well, one of the, the uh, scout troopers basically puts his weapon up and it was all over. Broke his <laughs> wrist, broke his arm, beat him to snot. Then the other one, he just took, you know, took him out too. Picked up Baby Yoda, and he went the opposite way that I expected him to go. I expect him to go back to the ship and just kind of protect him and get away. Right. Uh, I guess his version of protecting is taking out every possible threat. Yeah. And he just basically put him on basically a, a carrier on, on his chest and just went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I mean, he took these scout troopers out pretty violently and then apologized to Baby Yoda that he has to be had to be witness to such things. Um, <laughs> And he, he does. He, he hops on one of the speeder bikes, and he just blasts right into the streets of this town, just taking out troopers left and right. I mean, he turns corners and takes out these troopers that are kind of, you know, unsuspecting. And then he finally gets to this section of town where all these troopers are, where, where Moff Gideon is. And uh, he just starts going at it, and he gives Amando and, and crew the, uh, the opportunity to try to get out there and make some headway themselves. Yeah, once he got in town, he basically, he, you see him turn around, put baby Yoda facing the other way, put his arms over his head and just start shooting. And like, yeah. and he's, he's got, he's got better aim without looking than our stormtroopers do while they're looking. <laughs> yeah. And a pretty awesome gunfight ensues. So you've got Moff Gideon out there. Like I said earlier, he's not hiding. He's not ducking and covering. He's got all the confidence in the world. You've got Cara Dune with her heavy gun, you know, taking troopers out. Um, and you've got, uh, essentially Mando, he hops on this turret and he, and he takes a, a bunch of troopers out himself. Well, he grabs that the 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 gun, the, the big old, yeah. So he grabs that and he just starts lighting everybody up as much as he can. And while this is all happening, you got yeah, you know, Moff Gideon just kind of standing like you're saying, like you know what, I'm good. I'm just gonna I'm gonna start you know shooting people when I can. But then he sees Mando with the gun and he takes out the power supply. Yeah, which, which blows up in Mando's face. I mean, he knocks him the heck out. Yeah, I, it was one of those, like, oh, crap, where do we go from here type situations. Is this yeah. where it's going to end? Right. Like, are we going to leave it here with Mando laying on the ground and then us picking up next season at that point? Which would have been a, I've been a, a cliffhanger by itself. You know, what, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's happening with Mando? So immediately our, our folks, our crew, um, kind of, you know, get into retreat mode. They're heading back indoors to this room that they just came out of. So Grief, Kara, um, they grab the Mandalorian, pull him back into that room. They've got Baby Yoda and IG-11 with them this time. And uh, luckily, uh, IG-11 has a little bit more luck with the sewer grate, so he gets to work on that while the others uh, kind of bunker down and see how bad the damage is with Mando. And Mando is pretty much reserved to the fact that uh, he's, he's dead. Yeah. I mean, when Kara moved her hand out from behind him, it was covered in blood. Right. And you can see we're to the point now 
where she's actually kind of attached to him, you know, friend-wise. Oh, yeah. She doesn't want to leave him. She doesn't want him to die. She wants to, she, he's coming with her and the rest of the group if he likes it or not. That's pretty much the feeling I was getting from her. Yeah, you get the sense that she's seen too many fallen comrades in her past and she re- refuses to be, you know, to let Mando be one more of them. Yeah. And eventually, I mean, he convinces her to go ahead and, you know, leave him. Because he goes ahead and he gives Baby Yoda, well, IG-11 gives Baby Yoda to Kara. And IG-11 stays to kind of help protect him. Yeah. Not knowing that he was going to try to go ahead and heal him and fix him to, to the best of his ability to get him up and going again. So, yeah, everyone leaves. And we have basically a, a, a monstrous scene, in my opinion, uh, for the show. Because we see his face for the first time. Yeah. He actually takes off the helmet, and he, originally he wasn't going to have it happen. He said, this is the way. I'm not taking it off. No living person has ever seen my, hasn't seen my face since I was a child. Yeah. And, and IG-11 basically says, I'm not living. Right. And then he, he lets him take his helmet off and goes ahead and sprays some, uh, some back to spray on his, you know, on his central processing unit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. Well, the the joke didn't go over very well for Mando. He didn't he didn't find it very funny. Yeah, so you know, uh, it, it's lucky that Mando was still able to kind of keep to his creed. No living people have seen his pit face, so I guess he's he's still good there. And uh, we forgot to mention, I mean, Baby Yoda. The reason he couldn't really do a force seal on Mando is that he just uh, did a, a pretty huge force power and knocked himself out with that uh, trooper that was uh, blasting fire into that room with a flamethrower. Um, it looks like they were all but dead um, until Baby Yoda, he stands up in the way and kind of uses the force to push that fire back out through the door and, and, and takes, you know, takes out that trooper. Um, and, of course, once again, which is kind of becoming running theme of the show, is afterwards we just see Baby Yoda just kind of collapse <laughs> with the effort. And uh, he, he had no force left to use uh, to, to help Mando, so it was up to IG-11. Yeah, so we see, you know, IG-11 down in the sewer with, you know, with Mando. And all of a sudden, the rest of the group sees him, and then Kara goes over there and grabs him and helps him walk. And they're walking around these sewers, and she's just getting aggravated. It's like a big maze. She has no idea where she's going. And then Mando's kind of getting his wits about him again. And then, you know, IG's like, oh, yeah, it's the back to spray kicking in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he kind of starts realizing where he's at, and he starts following some things. And they, they run across the blacksmith, the Mandalorian blacksmith, which, come to find out, she is a badass. Yeah. And, as bad as a fighter as Mando is, is as good as a fighter she is, come to find out. But there's a lot in between here. Uh, they start going on, they start talking, and... Uh, we come across a, a big pile of Mandalorian armor just in the middle of their hideout. Like, what the heck happened here? Like, did they quit being a Mandalorians and remove their armor and take off? Like, are they all dead? Uh, what the heck happened? And immediately Mando starts blaming Grief Cargo. He's like, what happened here after I left? You know, did your bounty hunter guild take out the Mandos? And uh, Grief, of course, was denying it as, as they're kind of get into it. Um, that's when the uh, armorer comes in and she, you know, lets Mando know that, no, it, it wasn't Grief Cargo or the bounty hunters. It was uh, the Empire. Yeah, when they came in and, and they knew the rest. She said, you know, they knew the rest when they all came out there and were, you know, were fighting. They knew the attention that they were going to go ahead and draw by yeah. doing so. And they said most of them died. Some of them may have gotten off planet, but most of them are gone. He's like cool as a cucumber too. You'd think she would be really mad at Mando or upset at this uh, baby Yoda for uh, you know kind of setting all of this into motion um, but she's not. I mean she starts talking to the Mandalorian about what he needs to do now. He's essentially um, he needs to kind of take the role of uh, father figure to this um, being that he's saved already countless times and uh, he needs to bring a baby Yoda back to either a species or back to the Jedi. Yeah, basically, she's saying he is now a foundling. He yeah. is. He is. He's basically one of you now. It's it's your it's your responsibility. Like you were saying, either take him back to his species or the Jedi, or be the father figure to him. So he right. actually had three different you know uh, options here. And while yeah. she's talking, she's forging another uh, another piece of like armor almost. Yeah, his signet. And his signet. Yeah, and come to find out, she puts the mud horn on his shoulder. He said, "You have earned your signet." And yeah. she said, no, you are now a clan of two. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like you two together have earned this to the right to be, you know, a family and to, to go forward, you know, doing your best to make sure this kid has a good life, either as a Mandalorian or, or as the, the, the people that he comes from. Um, and that's just awesome. 
And she can tell there's some type of like bond forged between the two. Right. I'm pretty sure she she can sense that you know what he doesn't want to hurt it. It doesn't want to hurt him. Uh, they're not enemies because when she mentioned that she has heard of the powers that he's using, and she actually references an ancient war between the Jedi and the actual uh, the Mandalorians on the on Mandalore. Yeah. So she then he's like, oh, well, is he an enemy? And she's like, no, not him, because basically he had nothing to do with anything that took place. So she very quickly puts his mind at rest about that. Yeah, and it, that's, that is good to see. That's something that actually kind of surprised me, because I think in a lot of these shows you'll see, you, you know, a, a lesser character would have been like, oh, well, this this little baby is a part of these sorcerers that uh, wreaked havoc with the Mandalorians generations ago, and I, I need to take out my anger on this little being because of that. Like, she was totally cool about it. She was like, no, I mean, you know, that happened a while ago, but this kid had nothing to do with that, so you need to take care of him. <laughs> I'm curious what shakes her. Yeah, I mean, she's there, there's not much that you know is kind of messing with. I mean, she looks like she's been through a lot, and knows a lot. She was a leader of this group for a reason, for sure. Um, and we saw some big, imposing Mandalorians earlier in the season, and she always kept the room calm. <laughs> you, you, she had she carries a strength with her that's uh, pretty. She's yet you know one, once again just yet another one of uh, a characters that are introduced in this show that's just I'm totally here for. I could watch a whole series on them. Yeah, I mean, and basically we know this is going to happen, but she's down there, and all of a sudden you have some stormtroopers roll up on her. And she's just sitting there, and she's got, like, two, like, almost like wrenches across her chest. Yeah, her forging and, gear. Yeah, and she's just kind of sitting there, and they walk up to her all disrespectfully and kind of hit her in the head with her gun, and like, you know, talk. Hey, man, though. Yeah, and then she just goes all crazy on them, <laughs> takes them all out with ease. And like yeah. I was saying earlier, I mean, as bad as a fighter Mando, Mando is, that's how much better she is. Yeah, we've as Star Wars fans, we've seen plenty of uh, laser bolts kind of uh, ricochet off a of stormtrooper armor and take them out. We've never seen uh, pipes and wrenches uh, break their helmets apart. <laughs> oh, shatter them, like in the jaw. Yeah. I mean, she went full force on them. There was, yeah, these guys didn't stand a chance in this fight whatsoever. Yeah, and hopefully we, we see this character again. Hopefully she survives, gets off planet, and, and we'll see her in the future. You know, they are on the run. Like, the, the Empire is hot on their tail. Of course, they're making their way through this sewer, too. So she uh, gives them directions on how the heck to, to get off planet. Um, she gives them the, the routes to get back to these lava fields through the sewers, and, and that's where they head off to. Yeah, so they come across this, this lava river, and they, they look at the astromech droid that's sitting in the back, and it's basically encased in, like, uh, just rock, just dried yeah. up lava. And they're like, okay, how are we going to get this boat into there? So they're pushing, and, you know, Mando and Cargo, they're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And then uh, Cardoon basically backs up with her gun, just basically blasts the hole in where it was sitting, and basically just kind of drifts out. Yeah. And then they jump on, and all of a sudden this astromeg comes to life. I mean, and not only is he an astromeg, but he's an astromeg from, like, Venice. He's heavily modified with, like, tall arms and legs to start, you know, um, getting this uh, boat through the river like the river sticks or something. It was kind of a, a really surprising to see. We've never seen an R2 unit like this. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of creepy. <laughs> he stood up and was like, what's, what's going on here? When he went all, like, standing up, I was kind of like, oh, uh-oh. I didn't know what was really going to happen. Do you have to pay the ferryman? I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah, but um, they get through, and they almost get to the... They see light at the end of the tunnel, but luckily Mando had the foresight enough to use his uh, helmet vision to, to see that there were um, stormtroopers posted on either side of the mouth of this river in this opening, and uh, they couldn't stop. The astromech w wouldn't, wasn't able to stop the boat, and uh, they were pretty much just floating to their death. IG-11 basically starts talking like he's going to sacrifice himself. And this is where you can see a big turn in Mando. Because now he is almost attached to IG-11 on how much he's actually helped, how much he's protected, uh, you know, Baby Yoda. How much of the personality Quill actually put into yeah. IG-11 where Quill's personality is still alive through ig-11 that's exactly what i was thinking too it's like not only does he feel a little bit differently about droids because of this um ig unit but he's like you know this is all i have left of my friend possibly um you know i lost this guy and this is almost you know kind of a, a droid version of his son or of his offspring and it's like i don't want to lose anybody else during this mission yeah so eventually he goes ahead and and even ig-11 hears that 
that emotion in his voice where Mando right. doesn't want to admit to it but he said you know I've been reprogrammed for this and I can I can hear I know the inflection in your voice yeah and then he basically hands over baby Yoda to Cardoon and he steps out into the lava and walks forward and such a great it, scene yeah it basically he just goes and sacrifices himself blows it up my fear was he was going to go out and blow the entrance up too and they weren't going to be able to get out oh like they'd be caved in or something yeah that was <laughs> kind of my thought like also they got to find another route and that's maybe where the you know, next season will pick up where you know that's kind of the end of it there well we get to see what this thermal detonator actually does for the longest time you know leia held one uh in jabba's palace you know threatened to you know blow it up in in, in the room there if uh she didn't get what she wanted, and uh, for a while we've been wondering what the thermal detonator actually looks like. What we get to see in this episode, it just lays waste to all of those stormtroopers oh, out yeah. there. There was nothing left. I mean, they basically came out there and look around like, okay, the war scene, everyone's gone. Okay, we're good. Yeah, and as the- soon as they think they're free and clear, they see daylight. Here comes Moff Gideon in his uh, pretty awesome Tie Fighter. You just hear the the scream of the Tie Fighter throwing, uh, you know, flying through the air and heading directly towards them. Oh, yeah, they they start they, they think they have a chance here. They you know they start aiming up with their guns, firing at this thing. Even though we know that Tie Fighters do not have any type of uh, shields on them, those little weapons aren't going to do anything to that Tie Fighter, you know, to start with. Right. But they're they're trying. And they think they're pretty much done. Oh, and actually, we missed a part back with when uh, Mando was talking to like the, the blacksmith. She asked him if he has trained in like the Black Sun or something down those lines, and gave him the last piece of his armor that he did not have, and that was actually his jetpack. Yes, it was like so, a rite of passage. Yeah, she and actually she gave it to uh, IG Eleven to hold on for him. And then he had to train with it, so it would go ahead and react the way that he would want to react. And then when he had no other choice in the matter, he puts it on when they're outside on this lava uh, river. And goes all Mission Impossible on us. He shoots up, throws his yeah, hook, goes right onto the TIE fighter, and just lays waste to him. He's saying, and it's a, it, was, it was an awesome scene. It was, it was a fun fight scene to watch. Uh, the Basically, the dynamics of it and flipping around the works. Yeah, at the special effects, I mean, in this whole show have been great, but I was really impressed. I mean, that's a hard concept to get off, just a Mandalorian grabbing onto the back of a TIE fighter and taking it for a ride and taking it down single-handedly. Uh, it was done really, really well. Yeah, because the first actual detonator he had, uh, he dropped, and you see yeah. it blow up on the ground. So he, it looked like he only had one more, so he, he got it on there. And as soon as he let go, all of a sudden Gideon knew, because I guess a sensor popped up, that he was going, he was going, something was going to blow up on him, and then you see him crashing, and I, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, they're, Gideon's not dead. There, yeah, there's no way they're going to kill him that quickly. We, we see a crash, but we don't see an explosion. That's important. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very, very big. Yeah, no explosion. Uh, but our good guys all get away. Man, now Mando leaves with baby, uh, baby Yoda, Kara, and Grief both decide to go ahead and stay there on planet to go ahead and help you know, rebuild the. You know, the guild and everything take control over, you know, the city that he wants control to start with. And we think that's it. But then we see Jawas. And they're over at the wreckage, you know, doing their scavenging. Yeah. And this is when I had my holy crap moment. I think you most had people. a big reaction. <laughs> oh, man. I had, I was sitting back, relaxing, enjoying the show, and every minute of it. And I went from deep in my chair to almost on the floor. Wow. When I seen the dark saber, and I knew what it was immediately. When it was black, shimmering, coming through, you heard it almost sound like a like a lightsaber. And he cut his way out, and then standing on top of that ship, I did not want that scene to end. I wanted more. Right. I mean that was that was huge. And I'm not I'm not sure how much people really know about the dark saber, but uh, there is a deep history that goes in. There's no way we can hit on. You know, all of it really in this episode here. Yeah. But I would almost encourage Google Darksaber. Right. Star Wars Darksaber. And Dark it's Saber give Clone them- Wars, Darksaber Rebels. I mean, you'll you'll see this thing has been in Dave Filoni's uh, stories for the last, uh, well, quite a few years. Yeah, and it, it's it's huge on the planet of Mandalore. Basically, there was a, a, a Mandalorian Jedi that made this Darksaber. And really what the Darksaber does when you're on Mandalore, it, it unites the, the clans. So you have all of them, you basically rule over the clans. So you, you're the ruler, basically, of the planet if you wield 
this uh, dark saber, and we've seen other people actually hold it. Uh, Darth Maul actually holds it when he is ruling basically dark uh, Death Watch. It's basically a a, a gang type group that's on Mandalore or on Man- the Man- one of Mandalorian's moons that actually goes onto the planet. Uh, when he actually executes Sadine, uh, the the ruler at that time, he puts basically someone in, pay- in power to go ahead and, so he can control, kind of like a a Palpatine type thing. You know, you're my puppet setup. But then we see it. You know, there's a big battle on Dathomir, and the actual black saber is left on Dathomir, and that's where Sabine from Rebels finds it. Yeah. So we see it pass between these shows. And now we're actually seeing it come into this show here. So it's connecting all these other universes, you know, as one, which is, like I said, I had a holy crap moment. I, I loved every minute of that. And I can't wait to see where this goes because this is opening up so many more, uh, so many more worlds, so many more avenues that this show can go with that one piece of uh, lightsaber, basically. Yeah, this really did a few things. I mean, if you know anything about the Darksaber, it's a very, it's a hugely important um, object for the Mandalorians as a whole, right? I mean, essentially, whoever wields it becomes like the leader of the Mandalorians. Um, And the last time that we see it in canon was, like Chris said, in Rebels, an episode of Rebels, uh, which takes place before A New Hope, you know, a few years before the original trilogy starts. Um, and you see that it is in the hands of a Mandalorian. Sabine gives it to uh, a character that is a Mandalorian, and, and she um, wields it. And then this series, The Mandalorian, takes place after the original trilogy, a few years. So sometime during the span of the original trilogy, I'm guessing whenever this purge takes place, Moff Gideon himself is the one who, who takes possession of this thing. And it really kind of solidifies him as, uh, if you didn't think he was a big bad before, once you see him cut himself free of his TIE fighter with the Darksaber, uh, <laughs> you know then that this guy means business. Just a shot of him standing in the wind with it ignited yeah, was enough for me to be like, oh, he's not going to be someone that's going to go away easily. He may be you know, in this series, the duration, kind of like how... Um, Thrawn was when he basically introduced himself into the Rebel series. Right, he was basically the the big bad throughout the rest of it. Yeah, he's uh, definitely the big bad. I mean, overall, a couple of great episodes, uh, an incredible finish to an incredible season of television. We've got confirmation that they're working and filming on season two, and it should be out, you know, pretty much this time next year, fall twenty twenty. Um, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Too far. Hey, it could be. You know, sometimes with these streaming shows, it, it's uh, two or three years before between seasons. So I think we got off lucky. But uh, overall, uh, how do you feel about the Mandalorian as a whole? Oh, uh, I mean, I've watched every episode multiple times now, and that right there should speak for itself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only one. I, okay, only one I haven't right now is the most recent episode eight, just because I haven't had time to watch it again. But it's definitely on the list of what I'm going to be doing. Uh, I loved it. I loved every... When I was watching episode 7 again, I was just kind of saying in my head, man, I love this show. Yeah. And then when 8 one came on, basically just rolled right into it, uh, it was it was even better than I could have expected. I expected it to be good. I was, you know, I've got an expectation now for the show here. Right. And it achieved everything that I was hoping it would achieve and some. Because yeah. you don't always get, you know, a season... You know, finale it doesn't always stick the landing. It sticks it enough for you to be interested in coming back for more. Yeah, it doesn't make you typically want more immediately. This one leaves you hungry for more. Yeah, I mean, literally, once I was done with the episode, I went online and I started looking at darks. I was looking at more that maybe I didn't know already. I was looking at reviews on YouTube. Uh, I was watching because I wanted. I, I needed more. I needed some more content. Uh, even if it's from uh, other talking heads like ourselves now. Yeah. I just I just needed something else. I think the show did a ton of great work. I mean, just the production value of it, the direction, the actors that they hired to play these uh, instantly recognizable and memorable characters. Uh, fantastic season one. And like you said, I mean, season two can't come soon enough, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for our review, at least, of The Mandalorian. Of course, we'll uh, if we're still doing this thing a year from now, hopefully we will be. Uh, we'll definitely uh, be talking about Season 2. But <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but you can tell we, we love our Star Wars. If sure it's not do. this episode here, it's prior episodes. So we can pretty much talk Star Wars for, you know... We can have probably a podcast at Star Wars by itself, honestly, if we really wanted to. But uh, what I 
I say here is, you know, this is the Dad in the Rock podcast here signing off for our final Mandalorian review. We have spoken. This is the way.